the woman at the well and her conversation with Jesus. We're going to pick up the story, verse 13. Everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. I I really misread that. Because, at least in my opinion, this lady is not a sincere seeker. She's a very crafty gal. And she's out there at the well by herself in the midday, indicating she's probably ostracized from the rest of the community. We can understand why from the verses that follow. And um, she's got an attitude. I wish we had time to go through the whole chapter you really, I think you have to read this with her. She's just, she's got a chip on her shoulder. And, uh, everything Jesus says, she's, she's got a you know, smart aleck answer back. But she's going to meet her match in the Lord Jesus, who has better responses than she's got. And so I, I think you'd have to read it this way. When he talks about a well of water springing up eternal life, the woman said to him, Well, sir, give me this water. So I'll not be thirsty nor come this way to draw, you know, kind of like a, yeah, some Jewish guy doesn't know anything. Yeah, give me this water. I'd love to see it. And he says to her, go call your husband. She's not going to put up, I have no husband. See, what, what happened is she doesn't realize she's talking to somebody who knows everything. You've said, well, you have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. This you said truly. She answers, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Again, it's not like, oh, I I think you must be a prophet. It's like, she doesn't know what else to say, so she just kind of comes back with this, well, you seem to be some kind of a prophet or something. And it goes back and forth like this till she... She she dodges, she dodges, and finally she doesn't want to talk to him anymore. Verse 25 I know the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will declare all things. So I don't need to listen to you. We're waiting for the Messiah. She looks at him and says, I who speak to you am he. I think a chill went down her back. She just realized there's a lot more to this guy than I thought. She takes off for for the village and she empties the place. She brings everybody out by her testimony. We see here... The personal work of evangelism of the Lord Jesus, and of course, he's the master evangelist. It helps being omniscient. Now, we're going to talk about how to do personal evangelism tonight. I wish I could bestow upon, maybe you don't need me to bestow omniscience upon you. You have something better. You have the Holy Spirit with you to guide you what to say, even if you don't know what to say. And... To do this effectively, though, your theology has to be right because you have to cooperate with the work of the Spirit in your life as you become God's instrument in evangelism. That's why we talked about repentance this morning, the, to the realization that this is a crucial and a necessary, essential part of effectively sharing the gospel. And if you leave out sin and the call to repentance, that you're jumping important steps. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit can't convict the person or the person still in their own mind can't put two and two together. 
and come to repentance, but it's certainly you're going to be more effective if you're cooperating with what God has told us that the gospel truly is. A person must repent and believe. So when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, I have that in my mind. Now, I, I don't always feel that I'm going to lead somebody to Christ. In fact, that's, that's fairly rare. Often I feel like I'm trying to understand where they are by listening to what they say, engaging in conversation, so I can gauge just where are they, how close or how far away are they from the kingdom of God. And then I'm going to set my strategy and where do we go from that. I'm going to show you an incidence of this. We're going to use a, I'm going to be using a, a, a very basic survey that just you can ask people these questions and just kind of get a sense for where they're at. And then you got to determine, okay, what am I going to do with this information and how do I take it to the next step? It's good evangelism if somebody is like way far away from God in their understanding and their attitude and you can bring them a few steps closer to God. That's success. If you measure by success in evangelism, I'm successful when I can lead a sinner to Christ, you're going to become discouraged because that's just not practical. Most people who come to Christ have had 15 or 20 contacts with the gospel. It's often a step closer, a step closer, a step closer. And it's wonderful being the last step and seeing somebody come to Christ. But it's also effective evangelism when you take somebody who's far away and you bring them into the vicinity of the gospel and of salvation. You change their attitude a little bit. So you're going to see me trying to do this with a young fellow named Carlos. We're going to stop the video at, at key points and discuss it. So I want you to not just kind of kick back and say, oh, good, it's Sunday night at the movies. We're here to learn. And I want you to analyze what you're watching and uh, help us to, to become more effective in our personal evangelism. But we could dim the lights and start that video. Thank you. Excuse me. You waiting for the shuttle, are you? Yes, sir. We're waiting for it as well. We're going to be doing some interviews tonight with, uh, just about people's views about God. Would you have a minute while we're waiting for the shuttle to come? Views about God? Yeah, it's just your opinion. It's, it's not... Do you really? Okay. Do you mind if I just ask you a few questions about that? Okay. It's real simple. All right, it's okay? Yeah. We're using this for a, a training video that we're just going to post for our group to see on YouTube mm -hmm. and see what they think about it. Can I just get your name? Carlos Alvarez. Okay, Carlos. This is a, just a quick survey, and uh, it's just your opinion, so you can't get it, you know. It's, it's what you think. And, Carlos, the first question is, the people you hang around with, uh, are they people who are interested in God or not? Definitely, because uh, obviously I hang around a football team. I play football for UL, and we have a team minister, uh, Eric True, and we do a chapel every, before every game, and we always believe in God, and we, defer, we thank Him before we get off the field and get on the field. Okay, and, and your your wife's a, a religious person? Yes, she is. I got that from, pictured that from talking with her. Okay, my question is this. My next question is, what percentage of the Bible have you read? I've read about maybe 30% of the Bible. I'm not proud of it, but I do believe there's a God, and I just, it's, it's time consuming. And I do, like, I'm disappointed in myself about it, but that's about how much percentage I've read. Okay. All right, Carlos. Um, so about 30%, you said? Yes, sir. That's a qu quite a bit. 
Um, can you think of one person whom you believe is a true Christian? My girlfriend. Your girlfriend. You think she's a true Christian? Yes. And why is that? Because first of all, she's a she's a singer. She's an independent mother. She tries to go to church. She goes to church every Wednesday. She does she does vacation Bible school every time she can. She goes to church every Sunday and. Like, she tries to be the best person she can be. She helps others when she can. She's a nurse, so she's always helping. Okay, that's pretty good. Fifth question is this. uh, Who, in your opinion, is Jesus Christ? The creator of all. Okay, anything else? I mean, there's a lot you could say about that. Uh, Okay, we're just going to pause this for a second here. These questions have been designed to try to help us to understand where this young fellow is coming from. Or You can use these with lots of people. So, ask him his name. That's a pretty simple question. Maybe we get some lights on so I can see these people as we talk here. There's darkness out here. So, I want you to think about this. This is part of evangelism, too. It's like a little bit like the doctor when you go into that little cubicle and they start doing a little background history on you trying to... Before diagnosing what's wrong with you, you want to take a good history. So I've asked him his name, which just gets him talking. Okay, that's that's the first step. Um, ask him how much exposure has he had to the Christian faith. How much of the Bible has he read? It, this isn't just idle talk. By his answers, we're learning about it. Remember how much of the Bible he's read? 30%. I find that hard to believe, but... That's what he said. Very few people have read that much of the Bible. Do you remember what the next question was? Pardon me? Yeah, can you name one person whom you personally know, whom you think is a true believer? That's a really good diagnostic question, because if they say something like, well, my grandmother, and why is your grandmother? Well, she's always talking to me about God and praying for me. I mean, once I find a, you got a grandmother praying for you, I'm not letting go. I mean, I mean, we got firepower coming in, you know, artillery breaking up the fields. And, uh, but if you say, well, well, I think, you know, you know, some movie star was a true Christian or something really unusual answer, you go, okay, well, whatever. But if you say, my mother's a Christian, well, why? Then, then you always kind of follow up with a secondary Christian. Well, why do you think that person's a true Christian? You're finding out, how much exposure had the Christian life? Do they go to the church? Were they brought up with any kind of religion? How much of the Bible have they read? What is their concept of a true Christian? Then we came to the question, well, who in your opinion is Jesus Christ? And, and he said something, well, he's the creator. Okay? So these are all good answers. I know we got a long way to go. You think this guy's a Christian? Just at this point. You'd say no. Why would you say no? Well, he's clearly living in sin with his girlfriend. How do you know that? How do you know he's living with his girlfriend? He's uh, He, pardon me? I, it looks like it. It appears that way. Okay, there's definitely a, a girl in his life, and she's got a baby. And I referred to her, to her as your wife. He said girlfriend. And did he say girlfriend? He said girlfriend. He said girlfriend. Okay. So I think you're probably right. Now, we're not judging him. We're not, we're not here to act like God, but we are trying to, in our evangelism, we're trying to be a little bit like Sherlock Holmes. We gotta pick up the information here. So, we feed that into our mind. We got a guy who's 30% of the Bible. Does he think he's a Christian?
Yeah, what kind of Christian is he in his mind? He's a, he's a football Christian. He prays before the game and after the game. It sounds like they've got a chaplain. He's been reading the Bible. He believes in God. At least in his mind, he, he's, he's doing pretty well. Um, a lot of people would, would see it this far and say, well, absolutely, this guy's a Christian. He's read more than the Bible than I have. He believes that God's the creator and so on. But we have to be a little more discerning than that. Um, he's stumbling on who is Jesus Christ. You can see that. He's got, he's the creator. I'm trying to draw out beyond that. And you can see, I know I stopped it right at that point. So we're going to have to go on from here. But he's having a little bit of trouble going beyond that. And he's kind of filling in with just kind of some meaningless words. So I, I would agree. At this point, I would say religious, thinks he's a Christian, but probably not. But nevertheless, there's a lot you can build on in a person like this. I'm also looking at his attitude. Can you see? This is a, a very nice young man, a very sincere person who's willing to talk, uh, respectful. He would be respectful for God, toward God. So I'm going to be very careful not to talk down to him or embarrass him, but I'm also not going to just leave him in that low level of understanding. Let's continue the video, and uh, we'll analyze it again in a minute. Everywhere with this because he created us, he created everything that we stand for. I mean, it's, it's basically what you want to think of it. Okay. Uh, sixth question is How would you summarize his message? Hmm. If I had to summarize his message, his message was, would, to me, I'd summarize it as be a helpful person, try and help others. To create a create a better world to live for our children and uh, our little ones to grow up in and show them what's good and wrong, what's right and wrong. Okay, Carlos. Last question: If you were to die tonight and God asked you why should I let you into heaven, what would you tell him? Hmm. I think I'd tell him because I tried my best. It's all. It's not about. It's not about. What you did is about how how much effort you put into something, and if he sees that you're trying, he'll forgive you. He'll and he'll reward you with whatever you've done. Okay. Now you said you play football for UL, right? Yes. Sir. What position? I'm a kicker. You're a kicker. Now I would think a kicker, the coach is pretty and pays a lot of attention to your statistics. Is that correct? Yes, sir. What percentage of you know field goals, say from 40 yards, are you expected to make? Everyone, a hundred percent. And let's say you were kicking fifty percent, he wouldn't be pleased with it. Would you be on the team? Not at all. <laughs> all right. Now, with God, you said you've you've, lived, you've done pretty well. You've done your best. What percentage of God's commandments do you have to keep to get into heaven? All of them. And do you keep all God's commandments? Yes, sir. Every single one of them. I definitely try to. Okay. Well, let me just ask you about one now. For instance, Jesus said, um, the, the Old Testament says, you shall not commit adultery. But he said, I say to you that if a man looks upon a woman to lust for her, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. That you can have sexual sin in your mind. Have you ever uh, committed that sin? Yes, sir, I have. Okay. Have you ever, um, you know, the Bible says, you shall not lie. Do you lie? Wouldn't say as it lying, uh, but I've definitely told jokes before. As okay. in like, but like, as in like, not lying like, oh, is she, 
be like, oh, nothing's in there, and I put something in there to frighten her. But as in lying to hurt someone, no. You've always been absolutely honest to your girlfriend about everything. Yes, sir. To the cops? Yes, sir. All right. Your parents growing up? Yes, sir. All right. Ever steal anything? No, I can honestly I've never stolen anything. You ever been angry with somebody? Yes, I have been. Okay. Um, really angry? Yes. You know, Jesus said, you've heard it said you shall not commit murder, but I say to you, everyone who's angry with his brother shall be guilty of fiery hell. Because it's the same kind of sin in your heart. Does that kind of make sense? It does make sense. It does. You know, if you looked at all the Ten Commandments, and God said, okay, I'll let you into heaven if you kept them perfectly, what chances would you have of making it? be hard to say. Like, yeah, I think it'd be like that 50% with the field goals. Yeah, I think so too. And if the coach said to you, you know, you can play for us, Carlos, but you got to kick 100%, regardless of the distance, if your number's called, you got to kick it through those the field goal or, or you're off the team, what would you tell the coach? I got you, coach. Don't worry about it. Would you really? Yeah. I mean, are you going to get through the first game or second game? But you're finished, right? Am I finished with football? Yeah, because if you got to kick 100%, you're not going to make it. Well, I don't know yet. The season's didn't start. Yeah, and who's, who's the best foot field goal kicker of all time? I'd have to say Adam Vinatieri right now. Yeah, even he misses, though, doesn't he? Even he misses, yeah. See, that's, that's the problem with sin. There's, there's, we're all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of course. And the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Do, do you know what the penalty for sin is? No, I do not. Bible says the wages of sin is death. And that's what God told Adam in the garden. The day that you shall eat from this tree, you shall surely die. And that's why, that's why we're all dying. That's why we're all getting old. That's why we have hospitals and graveyards. and We, we get sick, we age, we die. Everyone, because of sin. And, and so um, if, if the wages of sin is death, and, and you've already told me you, you've committed sins, adultery and anger and other things, I'm sure, um, what are you going to say to God when you die? If you say, hey, God, I lived a pretty good life, and he goes, well, Carlos, you're, you're, you're a nice guy, but you're a sinner. I respect your decision, and I understand, and I understand your, uh, I'll take my consequences, and I understand, and I'll take it as a man, take my responsibilities as a man, I guess. Okay, well, I, I think that's pretty honorable, you know, and I, I can respect that, but what if, what if I was to tell you a way, there was a way you could have all your sins forgiven, every single last one of them? Show me the way. Do you have a... Do you think this guy's getting pretty close? Yes. Is he open? Yes. Uh, how does he think you get into heaven at this point? Works. Works. What did he say? Best yeah, do, you, do your best, and uh, he thinks that's going to be okay. Is he under conviction of sin? Yeah. Has, has he admitted his sin? Chelsea, you say he's not under conviction of sin. He know, does he know he's a sinner? Can, can you know you're a sinner and not be under conviction of sin? I guess it depends on what, what we mean by that. Let me ask you this question. Do you think he's ready to hear about the cross? Do you feel he's repentant? Now, this is kind of an interesting question because... Some of you might just want to think about, do I want to share what the cross is about and God's solution before a person's under conviction and, and sees their need? 
And I don't think there's one answer to that question. I think you, at times you might just say, you know, I'm going to hold back on the answer till I'm sure they got the problem right. Um, just like that doctor I talked about this morning, I don't think I would spring on you. You need a heart transplant until I've convinced you you've got a broken heart. There's something wrong with you. Are you probably going to call the cops on me or report me to the American Medical Association or something? This guy wants to give me a heart transplant. I'm in perfect health. So there's going to be times we just want to hold back on the gospel and, and, and give a person time. What's the worst case scenario? I, I guess they get killed that night and then go to hell. But, you know, if a person's really seeking God and they need time to think about their sin, I don't know, I think I can trust God to keep them alive one more day. I once miscalculated this with a fellow. I was sharing the gospel with him and sin and I, I, I didn't really think he was ready, so I said, tell you what, let's get together next week and uh, we can talk some more. I was planning then maybe to share the truth with him. And he did trust Christ the next week, but he told me a few weeks later, he said, you know, when I drove home from your house that first time, I was so afraid I'd be in a car accident and end up in hell. Well, um, that's unfortunate. He had a few bad nights, but you know what? I think we rush people along too much these days. We're in such a rush. And we have so many false professions. It didn't kill him to spend a few days just really thinking about that through. And maybe he wouldn't have been ready that night. But he was ready a week later. So I, I'm, I can't tell you what to do. You're just going to have to pray. Uh, you're not omniscient, but you have the Holy Spirit with you to guide you and prompt you. So I think there's going to be times you don't want to give them the solution until they understand the problem. And there's clear signs that they're repentant. Other times, you may want to go ahead with and share the gospel because one of the ways you can lead a person to conviction of sin and repentance is by explaining what Christ did for them on the cross. When, when, for me, it worked that way. When I came to understand Christ died for my sins, I realized my sins must be very serious before God. If that's the, if that's the solution, the problem must be really bad. And, and Lord used that to help me come under conviction of sin to understand the gravity of the whole thing. The one thing you don't want to do, unless you're sure they're under conviction of sin and repentant, is you don't want to encourage them to make a decision. Because if they do, you're going to make a mess of it. It's called spiritual malpractice. Just like with a doctor, giving a wrong diagnosis, wrong medicine, wrong surgery to a person who doesn't need it or is not ready for it, 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 it's, it's not helpful. It makes matters worse. You lead a person too quickly in a profession of faith. Explain the gospel. Do you want to trust Christ right now? Well, tell God that or follow my prayer. And they're not ready and they don't get saved. Where do you go from there? And so, so what often happens is in further meetings later on, you have got to backtrack. Well, wait a second. I, I think I left out the part about that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. And uh, Maybe you didn't understand. Let's talk about sin again. And what you end up doing is over the next three or four months explaining the gospel to them, and then it comes to, together for them, and they actually get saved. It's really confusing. So one of the things you want to be doing when you're evangelizing an individual is praying, being dependent upon the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and not getting ahead of the Holy Spirit making sure this person's ready to make a decision and and having the, the, the trust that God will guide you that if they're not ready, you're going to wait. You're not going to rush the birth. 
Just like with the birth of a baby. The baby's coming when it's coming. You, you can't, you know, the doctor can say, I got a golf, you know, date in one hour. Let's get on, lady, you know. You gotta move. You know, no, it doesn't work that way. You've gotta wait till everything's right. And the, and the child will be born when the child will be born. Okay. Any comments? Anybody want to add to that or subtract from that or give us your insights? Or have you experienced this in your own personal evangelism? Would this be similar to like when Paul reasoned with Felix, was it, about right, uh, righteousness, uh, judgment to come, self-control, and he he seemed to be under conviction, right? Yes. And, but doesn't seem, at least, that he repented or was ready at that point. Yes, yes. It's, it's hard. I mean, this is a, a tremendous responsibility. And uh, I, I think if we err, we tend to err usually by going too fast. Because most evangelism treats the prayer as like a, an evangelical sacrament. If they will say the prayer, they will be saved. But the Bible nowhere says that you're saved by prayer. Okay, you're saved by repentance and faith. And a prayer uh, of true faith, uh, an expression to God, is a faith action. And, and you may be saved at that moment. But don't just think because they said the prayer, they're saved. Um, so go, go slowly. Wait on the Spirit. Resist the, the, the desire to see somebody come to Christ for your good. <laughs> Trying to do what's good for them. And if it's going to take another day or two or a month or two, give them the time. Let's continue on uh, and see where this goes. Bible? Yes, I do. It's not with me. Okay. Have you, have you ever like read the Bible with the question in your mind, what does the Bible say about how to get to heaven? No, I did not. Well, that, that'd be a pretty good question, wouldn't that it? It is a good question. You know, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you something here. It's free. Carl, so that's the Gospel of John, and that's the biography of the life of Jesus Christ. And in there, he explains how through him you can have eternal life, how you can have all of your sins forgiven, every single last one of them. Let me just ask you, do you, do you see yourself as a sinner who's living in obedience to God or, uh, or disobedience to God, or do you see yourself as a, a really righteous person who does everything God wants him to do? I don't. I see myself as. I don't see myself as a disobedient person, but I wouldn't say I see myself as an obedient person either. Because there's people in this world that's like that's done worse things than I have. I'm pretty sure. And I look at it like this: as I know, my life could be much worse than it is now. And I know I didn't do nearly as wrong as other people did. So I wouldn't say I'd see myself as an obedient person who does listen to every word he has to say, but I wouldn't say I'm like the most disobedient person. So is what you're saying, if God grades on the curve, you got a pretty good chance of getting in? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. But if God judges you by his laws, your goose is cooked. Yeah. Which, which do you think he's going to do? Judge you by his laws. Yeah, I think he's going to judge by laws. It'd be the same thing, you know, if if you were picked up on a DUI tonight by these police officers out here. They wouldn't say to you, okay, well, you know, compared to everybody else in the county, your blood, you know, alcohol level, it was high, but it wasn't high as the rest. So we're just going to let you go. They'd say, you broke the law. You're losing your license. You're maybe losing your car. 
You're going to pay a fine, pretty big fine. You may even have to go to jail if this is the second or third time. They're not going to compare you to other people out tonight on the, you know, celebrating the Fourth of July. You're going to be judged by the law, right? Yes, sir. And it's the same thing with God's laws, and uh, that's why this booklet is so important, Carlos, because uh, when you stand before God, it's just going to be you and God. And this book will tell you how you can have somebody else there with you in that judgment. Do you know, have any idea who that'd be? No. It'd be Jesus Christ. Do you have any idea what he did for you? Gave me life. I, I, well, how, how, how could he give you life? He sacrificed himself for, for me. And I should, and I should listen. I should abide by his laws and, and should perfect them. Okay, now you're absolutely so right. We're going to what stop right there one more time. Let's get the lights on. You think he's going to get saved? How's it looking? Are we making progress? <laughs> We've got a naysayer over here. <laughs> Why not? He's all mixed up in the head. In what way? He still thinks he's a good person. But when, he confronts him, when you confront him about God's judgment, he realizes he's wrong for Back and forth, not repentance. Okay. Yes, sir. You say also that you're, you're basically unwinding some of the erroneous doctrine that his girlfriend has probably laid on him. You can almost bleed into what she believes by what he believes. You can almost hear that it's a work-based gospel there. So you've got a lot of unwinding to do here before you can yeah. actually wind it back up. That's a good point. We're undoing some false conceptions. Would you agree... That many Christians in our country, true Christians who go to Bible teaching churches, would have heard what he just said about Jesus being a sacrifice for him and that he wants to please God, would say, well, either he, he is saved or he's about to get saved. Is that true? Yeah, I think so too. I, I, it's... Um, I heard the word. I, I, heard, I heard him say belief, and I heard him say the cross, and Jesus was sacrificed, and I want to please God. That's enough. That's enough. I mean, Jim, you're such a hard-nosed guy. We give the guy a break, you know, and, and, and stop all this nitpicking stuff. Well, the thing is, we live in a country where it's easy to believe. There's no cost to faith in Christ. And... People know the words, and they say the words, and we say, fine. Our children say the words, our teenagers say the words, our college kids say the words. That person you want to marry, he said he believed in Jesus, you know, and he believes that he died on the cross. Okay, well, that's good, but what does he mean by that? And is there evidence of faith in a changed life? Is there fruit of salvation? Or is it just talk? Because there's an awful lot of talk going on. In our country, I live in, in Lubbock, Texas, and there they call it the, the the buckle of the Bible Belt. And there's churches on every corner, and it's a very conservative town. It's considered the most second most conservative city in the United States. It's a city of any size, about 230 million people. We do evangelism at Texas Tech University every Thursday, and we estimate as less than 10 percent of those students know the Lord. A lot of God talk. There's a lot of Bibles and church-going people, but less than 10% of them, maybe somewhere between 5 and 10%, actually know the Lord. That's one of the better places. They're very nice students, very respectful, and high respect for God. 
they don't know the gospel. So uh, let's see where this is going to go. Let's see if um, a little bit of help, maybe Carlos will trust Christ, and we'll find out. We'll continue. And he, he sacrificed himself for you. Um, like he gave, like he's the one that, like, stood up, on, like, was on the cross, and he, uh, he said, "I, I should give you life." Yeah, I want to show you a verse here in this uh, Gospel of John, Carlos, and, and I want you to think about this. And this is something Jesus said. This is the most famous verse in the whole Bible. It says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Could you maybe just read that and then tell me what you think it means? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What's that mean to you? To me, it means if you believe in him, you shouldn't be punished. Like if you believe in him, you should be rewarded, and if you... Follow his, follow his religious views and his laws. You should definitely be rewarded and not be the good, like kind of like not the good stuff for the bad kind of kind of deal. Yeah, you, you know, you're you're really close to it. Okay, I just want to kind of refine a little bit of thinking there. Um, so so you understand? Do you understand he died for you, Carlos? Yes, sir. Now, now what, what does that mean to you that he died for you? He gave his life up for me. That's, that's exactly right. But why would he have to give his life for you? I don't know. Okay, let me ask you a question. You take your girlfriend out for a really nice dinner, okay? Let's say it comes to 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. Who gets to pay for it? Me. Who ate that meal? Me and her. Yeah. She ate half the food, but you get to pay for the whole thing, right? Yes, sir. Okay, and she has to receive that. She has to say, you know, I kind of like this guy, and I'm going to allow him to take me out to dinner. I'm going to allow him to pay the check, right? Now, let's say you're walking out the door, and the manager grabs her by the shoulder and says, "Uh, excuse me, lady, uh, you didn't pay for your meal. What are you going to tell him? That I'm going to pay for it and that uh, you shouldn't go to her about it. You should come to me. That's right. Let's say you already paid for it. What are you going to do if if he's, if he's like... Grabs her and says, "I'm going to call the cops, lady. You 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 ordered a meal here and you never paid for it." I'm going to st- stand in the way and tell him that I is taken care of. That's right. You're going to pull out your receipt and you're going to say, "Look, paid for right here." And you see, Carlos, that's what Jesus Christ did for you. He picked up the tab for you. The, the punishment for your sins, the things you did, is death. And what Jesus did, he came and he said, "I'll pay for Carlos. I'll pick up the tab for him. I love him so much. I will come." and suffer in his place, take the punishment of his sins upon myself, and die for him, that he doesn't have to be punished for his sins. Have you, have you ever heard that before? Yes, I have. Now that you say it. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Is there any sin in your life that's more important to you than being right with God? No. In other words, I'm saying to you, is there any sin that, that you would say, yeah, I, I want to be right with God, but I'm not willing to stop that sin that's in my life? There was never a sin that I could do that that was that worthy. Okay, now I want you to really think this through because when I first heard this, how old are you, how old are you, Carlos? Twenty two. Okay, I was twenty three, and I'd been living with my girlfriend for three years and um, kind of rationalizing it. But I knew 
that if I got right with God, I just kind of couldn't live in immorality and just couldn't keep doing that. I, I'd have to either get married or separated. And that kind of really held me back because the consequence, I mean, it would be a life change thing. Um, so immorality, pornography, drunkenness, selfishness, putting myself first rather than putting God first, putting myself first rather than putting others first. You know, being right with God means turning from all sin and saying, saying God, I'm, I'm at least willing for you to come into my life and change me and make me the person you want to be, me to be. Is, is there anything you would say that you're not willing to repent of, to turn from, that you'd say, you know, yeah, I, I want to do this, but maybe later because I'm not really ready to straighten up that area of my life? Yeah, I'm, uh, I understand what you're saying now. Yeah. yeah, there's, yeah, there's definitely sin that I've done that uh, like I, I definitely do need to stop. And uh, now that you specify it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm in college, so you can just about imagine. Yeah, you don't gotta go into details. I can figure that out. But think about this, Carlos. I'm not saying you got to clean up your life before God will accept you. What I am saying though is you have to repent. You have to surrender your life to Him and say, God, come into my life. I want to live a life that's pleasing to you, and I'm willing to turn with your help from any sin in my life, whether it's immorality, drunkenness, pornography, whatever it is, whatever's not right in my life, I am willing to do what you want me to do. If you break the power of sin over my life and give me the ability to do that life. But he's not going to come into your life and put you in a headlock and say, you're going to do what I tell you. you got to surrender to him and say, God, I want to do what's right with you. And in view of what your son has done for me on the cross... It's the only right thing to do, Carlos. You know, I mean, if if somebody lay down their life for you, saved your physical life from drowning or being hit by a train or something, wouldn't you feel an obligation to that person? Yes, I would. So, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took on human flesh and died on a cross for your sins, the shameful things you did, could you really say to him, you know, I appreciate that, but the, the way my lifestyle is my lifestyle. I'm not changing that just to please you. And just to be right with God. Because, you know, you can receive the gift of eternal life as a free gift of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God wants to give you eternal life, but he's calling upon you to do two things. First of all, to repent, to say, God, I'm I'm willing to turn from that sin, and to believe. And I trust the fact that Jesus died for me. It's, it's the best deal you know you could ever imagine, but you got to be ready to accept it. You got to be ready to to repent. Yes, sir. Think you need more time to think about that? There's a lot to take in. Uh, I mean, I'd feel obligated for everything. I, I mean, I owe him. I guess you can say, definitely, owe him more than just what I can offer. Well, the only thing you got to offer is your life. And, and, and your obedience, you know. And so all he's asking you to do is submit your, your will to him. Say, God, I'm willing to do your will, and I believe Jesus died for me. I, I received the gift of eternal life that he died for me. Let me let me ask you a question. If Satan was right here, what would he want you to do? The exact opposite. What, what would that be? Don't say, don't, don't believe what uh, you're telling me, just walk away. Uh, go live your life. You're doing just fine. That's exactly right. He'd be telling you, no, no, those sins, they're so pleasurable, and that's what makes your life great, and that's why college life's so good, all that, you know, high life and stuff. Don't don't be listening to these guys because it's just going to mess with your head, and um, God doesn't love you. 
and you wouldn't enjoy being with God for eternity anyway. And, and, and it's just a lie. He's the father of lies. But what, what God would, would have you do is to, to just be honest about your sins and say, God, I am a sinner and I've done things that I'm ashamed of. I've, I've violated my conscience. I've violated your laws. And I'm sorry. But I, I'm willing to do what you want me to do if you'll give me the ability to do it. And I receive what your son did for me on the cross as the just punishment for my sins. That's not that hard, but it's, well, maybe it is that hard, you know, if you really love your sin. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make, um, to make it up, I guess. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. I'm gonna tell, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Carlos. I'm going to put my phone number in this Gospel of John. I'm, I'm here in uh, Lafayette for the next three weeks, and I'm with mm-hmm. a church, uh, Southside Bible Chapel, on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. And if you're serious about this, what I'd like you to do is, is read that and then give me a ring. And I'll, I'll meet with you, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer any questions you still have, give you a week to kind of really think this through. Is this something I really want to do? Or not, it's your decision. I got nothing to gain by it. I'm not, I'm not pressuring you. It's, it's between really between you and God. And if, if you if you read that, give me a call. I'll meet with you and answer any questions. If you want to receive Christ right then and there before, you know that's, that's between you and God. Yes, sir. Sound good? Yes, sir. All right. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you. Get the lights back on. So what do you think? Was that being too hard on the guy? Would it have been better to try to kind of like close the deal and not be so picky about this or what? What do you think, brother? I think he still needs to, spirit needs to convict, it needs to be repentant, there's still work to be done. He did say some good things right there at the end though, didn't he? Yes. But you still think he needs more time. Yeah, I, I think he does too. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but the girlfriend came along and kind of slammed two doors. And I'm watching her out of the side. I'm going like, we are way over time. She's about to explode. And then when he said, you know, I need to clean up some things, I'm going, oh, my goodness, we got to start over again. And I'm out of time. So that's all you can do. I mean, you can't hold a person there for an hour. I mean, we already went over 20 minutes. And um, if he's sincere, he's got the Gospel of John. He's got my phone number. He can call me. Do you think he called me? You know, he didn't. He didn't. I tried finding where he lived, trying to find out. I actually think he might live in Florida, to tell you the truth. Um, I can't remember what, why. I, I, I think I, I met somebody who worked with the football team and knew the fellow and, and told me that. Uh, so he never called. Maybe he got saved. Maybe read it. Who knows? Maybe it was just a, a step in the, the process. But can you see how careful you have to be? He said a lot of good things, but he was also very hesitant. When it, and, and he was, yes, I want to obey God. Yes, yes, until we got down to the specifics. Well, do you realize what that means? Do you remember what, how he answered that when we really got down to what this is going to mean? Anybody remember his exact words? He said, well, I'm a college student. You know what that means, don't you? What does that mean? Well, that means, you know, I'm living with my girlfriend like everybody else and um, other things. And um, I'm not sure that I'm ready, like, to go home and have a talk with her, or, you know, or straighten end some of these things that I'm doing. Well, I, I really like him. He's a really honest guy, you know, and he, I think he's a straight shooter. I don't think he was playing games. But even then, 
he went from total confusion to a little bit of clarity in 20 minutes. It takes time to really think about these things, to process it into your heart, to be going from like a good guy who believes in God going to heaven to, well, maybe I'm not going to heaven and I am a sinner, to, yeah, maybe I should make some changes, to, no, I don't think I will, to, yes, I will, all that in 20 minutes. That's asking an awful lot. Okay. Now, I, I think it's probably true that most evangelism training would say just keep pressing forward, just, just get to the end there, because pray the prayer, he'll be saved. I'm sure some people even criticize me. Why are you talking so much about sin, you know, and repentance? Give the guy a break. Just move on. Well, uh, I would encourage you not to move on. If you really love the person, take time and be sure. And if he's ready, you'll know it. Just like that baby being born. When that baby's going to be born, there's no there's no stopping it. There's no mom can't say, you know, I'm kind of tired today. Let's just pick this up tomorrow. No, the baby's coming. And when a person's ready to get saved, they're going to get saved. And uh, he's got the Gospel of John. He's got the Spirit of God working. He's heard some things. Maybe he's going to need to have another link or two talking to people. But I, he's got the basics. He can take it from there himself. But uh, let's just pause and we'll pray for Carlos. I don't know where he is today. But um, we can certainly pray. Lord knows. And by God's grace, he'll get saved. Father, we uh, thank you for this young man and his openness, and we thank you for the wonderful gospel. What a great God you are. You don't call upon us to make up for our sins or to change our own lives, but you simply ask us to admit our guilt and recognize your rightful authority over our lives. We pray, Lord, if there's anybody here tonight that is, that is yet to truly repent, that has unconfessed and unrepented sins is yet to bow the knee of salvation to Christ and trust him fully as a savior that you'd help that person and Lord uh, we also know as believers that the remedy for sin in the life of believers is also to repent and to believe to, to confess our sins that you're faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness for all those who are struggling with sin tonight we pray, Lord, you'd help them too to, to just turn it over to you and turn from evil to good and, and submit their lives under your rightful authority. Watch over us, Lord, and, and we pray just dismiss us with your blessing. We might have weeks, a, a week of living uh, to your glory, that you give us opportunities to talk to people about the gospel. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.